Father, we do bow ourselves before you, God. We ask that you would anoint our ears to hear the truth of your word, not just physically to hear, but for our hearts to hear and to believe and to lay hold on what you have for us. You, David said in the Psalms, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Lord, that's how we want to be this morning. We're so thankful for you this morning and for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Y'all read with me. We're going to read Ephesians 5, 1 through 8. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering, given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, no un, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. And this to me is the main scripture for us this morning. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I believe this is what the Lord is saying to us this morning and saying to us in this, in this hour. We were something and now we're something else. We didn't just join a church. How many of you joined something in some life and no longer part of it? Whether it's Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, you know, you joined something, maybe some group or, or whatever. You were part of it for a while and no now you're no longer part of it. Coming to Jesus Christ is not this way at all. There's nothing else like it. Uh, we were something and now we are something else. That has to do with our nature. That has to do with our very being. It's not coming to church that makes you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. It is coming to Christ and being born again of His Spirit. And I will say that the life of a believer, the life in Christ, the born again life, is not at all the same as the life that we had before. Amen? Can you testify to that? Can somebody here say, I know that the life that I have now is 180 degrees different. It is so different than the life that I had before. It's not the improved, new and improved version of our lives. It's Christ taking residence in our hearts and making all things new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that is, I'm going from the Word of God because that is the truth that we need to hear and that we need to believe. My life is not my life that I had before. It's not a little bit better. It's not a reformed life. You know, we talk about prisoners, and I've done a lot of prison ministry in my life, and some of y'all have as well. And the goal is to reform people so that when they get out after 5, 10 years, 20 years, however long they'll be in prison, that they're fit for society. And they're working on outward things. They're working on anger management. They're working on education so they know how to read and get a job and so forth. And I'm not opposed to any of that. But if Christianity is not a reformation in that sense, it is a transformation. It is a new life in Christ. And the life is not the same. Therefore, the fruit of this life or the outflowing of this life is going to be different than it was before. Amen? I'm glad that it's not. It's, it's exactly what we would expect by coming to Christ that our life would be different. That it's not going to be, uh, you know, he talks about these things. Uh, don't let fornication or uncleanness or all these things be part of your life. 
It says that no unclean person in verse 5 and so forth, idolater, covetous man, is going to have any inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and of God. You know, and this is a, um, one of the blessed things of the Gospel, it does not say that anybody that ever committed any of these sins are not going to have inheritance in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If that was the case, and, and anybody that committed one of these sins would never go to heaven, then nobody would go there. Jesus would just be in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the angels would be in heaven together. But men are getting saved every day who have committed the, these sins. It's saying what the Word of God is saying. It says it also in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when it says, Such were some of you. Some of you were idolaters. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were uh, adulterers and drunkards and so forth. But you're not that anymore. He said, You're not. It doesn't say you just don't do those things anymore. There's a big difference. Somebody could go to some type of a, a program and they used to drink all the time and they get sloppy drunk and they're all everybody knew they were drunk and all that. And all of a sudden, uh, after three months, six months, you see them again and they, they don't drink anymore. People can do that. It's very hard, but people can stop drinking, right? People stop every day. It's hard, but they can do it. This is not Christianity, though. Christianity is transforming from the inside out. We're a new creature in Christ. The heart is different. My desire now for alcohol is, is gone or being removed. And my desire or my desires for God are present and they're increasing. And that wasn't there before. And in so saying that, then the lifestyle will follow that, right? If I'm delivered from the desire in my heart to drink or to fornicate or to commit idolatry and so forth, and I have, no longer have that desire, the lifestyle will follow that. It will follow the new creation. It will follow Christ in my heart and what He's done in my life. The Christianity is not, uh, we're going to take you and clean you up and, and put you in a coat and tie and, and get your hair cut and shaved up and get looking nice and put you in the choir and set you there. Some churches may approach it that way, but God doesn't approach it that way. He brings a saving message of Jesus Christ. And if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. A new creature. He's born again. This life is not the same. Christ was holy. And is holy, and we're born of His Spirit. So think about that. If you're born again, if you're here today and you're truly saved, then you had to be saved by being born again. And if you're born again, that new life that we have, that born again, it's a second life, it's a second birth, it's a new birth, that new life is His life now in us. We're born of the Spirit of God. And if we're born of the Spirit of God, the Bible says... That, that He is, for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. But that's the God we serve. Not only the God we serve, but that's the One who saved me. And that's the One whose Spirit now lives within, who's made me new. So guess what? You and I may take some time, day by day as we walk with the Lord, but we're go we are going to be like Him. More and more like Him. And so, He's not a fornicator. Jesus Christ is certainly no idolater or drunkard or anything like this. He is holy and undefiled and harmless, separate from sinners uh, and made higher than the heavens. Well, His Spirit is the Spirit that now lives inside of me. His blood is the blood that washed me. The Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That life will be different. We're not hoping it's different. That life is different. If your, if your life is not different, then we need to go back and see am I really saved? Did I really trust in the Lord or do I just join a church? Did it just come to clean up my act a little bit? Because you can clean up your act a little bit without the help of the Lord, but you can't become a new creature and save for all eternity without the Lord. And I promise you, if He saves you, He'll clean up your act. 
It'll be a cleansing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're being sanctified by the washing of the water of His Word and by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so not only as a believer, and I praise God that my life's not the same as it was before, amen? I'm not trying to be religious. I'm not trying harder to behave better and try to look at the Bible and say, I'm sure going to try to do that. It's impossible without first coming to Christ by faith. Having come to Christ by faith, now that's a whole other story. We're part of His family. We're part of the household of God and the household of faith. We're sons and daughters of the Lord. And He sets our feet and establishes our goings and said, here's the way, walk in it. And we begin to walk with the Lord. Not only does He tell us what to do in His Word, He empowers us by the Holy Spirit to do it. But our life has to be different. It will be different. I'm going to say this, not only as a Christian, a true Christian, not only is your life uh, different in the sense that you're going to heaven one day and you're forgiven of your sins, you're delivered from the wrath of God for all eternity and, uh, and being separated from God. We've been justified freely by His grace. We've been robed in the righteousness of Christ by faith. But then if all of that is true, which it is true for every believer, then there will be an absolute difference in our life in our lifestyle. I'm not going to sit at home and watch filth on TV. My flesh may be tempted to, and my flesh may want to, but as a practice, doesn't say I'll never do it, never do it as a Christian. My practice is not going to be to sit there and watch filth on TV. My practice is not going to have profanity flying out of my mouth and my life be exactly the same as it was before, except I go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. There has to be a difference, right? There will be a difference. Because Christ is holy and undefiled and separate from sinners. And His Spirit is the one that has bought me and purchased me. That's the new life that I have. That life is different and it must be different. Now I want to say this, that John said in 1 John 4, 4, But ye are of God, little children, and have overcome the world. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Or he that is in us than he that is in the world. Ye are of God, little children. That little two-letter word of of is very important. Like when Jesus told His disciples before He went to the cross, the last time He was gathered with them together, and He says, uh, you're, not of the world, you're not of the world even as I'm not of the world. What is He talking about of? It has to do with origin. It has to do with nature. He didn't just say you don't act like the world. He says you're not of the world. And we're told in 1 John, ye are of God, little children. That is God's Spirit in us. It's not a bragging thing. It's not like we did something special to earn it. He saved us freely by His grace, the unmerited favor of God. But it is a fact. And that's why Paul says the beginning of Galatians, Ephesians 5.1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Okay? Because we are His children. It's not just a friendly little name He gave us. Isn't that kind of Him to call us His children? It is. But He made us that. We're of God. And so, so many in Christian circles, y'all, uh, in the world in which we live, in the day and age in which we live, this is not a condemnation on every church, every Christian, every Christian circle. I'm saying it's, it's uh, a trend, I guess you could say, in Christianity today where they want to, they're, they're actually want to stay away from any passage like what I just read from Ephesians about, uh, you know, no whoremonger, unclean person or or covetous is going to inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. And fornication and uncleanness, don't let it be named once among you. People stay away from that. You don't hear that all the time. 
because I think there's there's a real and it's to me it's a skevel, it's a it's a clever scheme of the devil to to take what God has clearly given us in His Word and then somehow make Christians afraid of it. This is going to sound too harsh if you preach it to your congregation. This will sound too harsh if you preach it at your youth group or your college and career group. People are going to run from it. You might offend somebody. You might lose some people. Let me ask you this. It's not the intent, but did Jesus ever offend somebody? He offended a lot of people. Did He change His message and say, I'm so sorry I offended you. I didn't mean that. I'll have some different message for you next time. The rich young ruler said, good master, what must I do to be saved? He told him what to do. And he says he left sad. Jesus didn't run after him and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Let, let me give you a different message. This will fit your life. Why? Because he wants to give him a new life. The whole new life. And if you're going to get it, it's going to come this way. Didn't, one time, the, uh, I forgot what Jesus had said exactly. He called the, the, the uh, Pharisees whitewashed sepulchers and so forth. And you're dead men, full of dead men's bones. And the disciples get him afterwards and say, Jesus, don't you know you offended them? He's like, what are you talking about? You know, does it, it's the truth. I'm, I'm preaching the truth to them. And so we can't be afraid of offending. Our goal is not to offend. Our goal is to preach the truth and love that they come to know Christ. But a lot of Christians today and those in Christian circles and pulpits and leaders and books and authors, they want to stay away from any commandment of God. They think if you start talking about the commandments of God, somehow you have abandoned grace. Somehow you have put all the focus upon works and what a man is supposed to do. And I'm just reading straight from the Scriptures. We don't do anything to be saved except give our life to Christ by faith. We turn from our sin. We turn to God. He saves us freely by His grace. It's an awesome thing. It's a powerful thing. And then He gives us great grace and strength to walk it out. But guess what? There's a lot to walk out. There are a lot of things in the Bible. And I'm not going to be afraid to pick up my Bible and say, you know, fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not be named once among you as become a saint. You know why he says it's become a saint? Because it's not becoming of a saint. It's not part of the life of a saint that's been born again. And he's telling us that right here. He's telling us that you are children, of, you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord, comma, walk as children of light. You know what walk is? Walk is a walk. It's our lifestyle. It's our behavior. It's our conduct. That's from the, do, the day that you say I do to Jesus. We've had a lot of weddings in our church lately. and got one coming up soon. And it's one of the climax of the whole thing is where they say I do to each other. You take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, to have a whole better or worse, sickness and health. I do. Do you take this man to be your husband? Better I do. You know what they're saying and before God and before witnesses? I'm giving my life to you. I'm not giving my life to you and Joe down the street. She's given herself to that man. and He's given himself to that woman. And they're freely doing it. And it's a free will choice. And they're, they're uh, doing it because they love and it's a commitment that they make. Well, from the time that you and I say I do to Jesus at salvation, He saves us. And He makes us his part of His family. We belong to Him. He's jealous over us with a godly jealousy. Not in a bad way. We belong to Him. And only to Him. He's not sharing you with Jesus and some other God that you are idol that you set up in your heart. 
He's, sharing, he's not sharing you with anybody. He bought, bought you and me with His own blood. And we belong to Him. And our life should reflect that. There will be fruit of that. There will be evidence of that. And guess what? It's a joy. It's not miserable. It's not miserable to live for Jesus. Nobody's trying to get you and stick your nose down in the dirt and just make you, this is it, buddy. Rest of your life, you're going to be miserable. You don't get to drink. You don't get to do this. You don't get to do any of this fun stuff. If that's your attitude, you haven't met Christ. Because He's altogether lovely. And what He does is He comes into a heart. People think they're so free to sin. But the Bible doesn't describe it as freedom to sin. The Bible describes it as a slavery to sin. And we're saved from our sin. And He delivers us from that power. Not only forgives us, but the power of sin, the chains of sin are broken. Now I can serve God, and guess what? I want to. Does His flesh still, is it still enticed to want to watch something we shouldn't watch? Say something that we shouldn't say? Look at something? You know, yes, the flesh is still enticed, but now I'm no longer governed by that. That's not the authority that runs the show anymore. And that runs the life. And I'm glad that it's not. I'm glad I belong to Jesus. I've shared my testimony so many times. When I was at LSU, I had, my, my parents had gotten divorced between my junior and senior year in high school. And uh, it was a rough time for me. My mom found the Lord. And, and my, my wife's future wife at that time's mom helped my mother. And we, didn't, we weren't even knowing each other hardly at the time. And I started going to church with her and her family and my mother. And I prayed one day to give my life to Christ. And I went down in a minute and I gave my life to Jesus. But I did not follow that up with any kind of discipleship. My life for the next end of high school and my four years at LSU and a fraternity and all that life was just what you would pretty much picture somebody being a fraternity at LSU. It was that life. But the whole time I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is not what I called you to be. This is not, Randy, how I called you to live. You need to make a choice. Are you going to belong to me or are you not going to belong to me? You're not going to live this way and be my child and keep living this way. I'm not going to get into all the theology of it because I don't want to. I know what God said to me. My last semester at LSU in my apartment by myself and the Lord says, it's time for you to decide, Randy, what you're going to do. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I didn't know the Bible very well, but I knew that verse. He says, you're lukewarm. You decide. Nobody around, nobody, no youth pastor, no pastor, no good Christian buddies and mission trip planned or anything like that. Just me and the Lord in my apartment and says, you decide. You're going to follow me or you're not going to follow me. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, my friends, I got some close friends they are like brothers and they're not going to be my friends anymore when I give my life to you. My whole life's going to be different. I knew what it was going to cost. And he says, count the cost. And I said, okay, Lord, here I come. And from that day to this day has been a new life. I have not been perfect. Far from it. Far from it. I have not been sinless in that, since that day. But I'll tell you what I have been. I've been fully committed to Jesus Christ since that day. And I'm not wavering and I'm not halting between two positions. I've given myself fully to the Lord. We sing, I give myself away. I give myself to you. Take my life so you can use it. And I have been the Lord's. And guess what? You can see that I'm not at all a perfect man. And if you've been close to me, you would know that. But I pray that you would see the Lord in me. Just like I've seen the Lord and do see the Lord in so many of your lives. 
It costs something. Guess what? I didn't go back drinking at the fraternity parties anymore. I did lose a lot of friends. I got a whole lot of new ones. I got a wife and two children. One's about to get married. And I got this wonderful church family. And the Lord has blessed my life tremendously. Would I trade it? No, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wish I'd have done it sooner. I wish I'd have done it when I first prayed that sinner's prayer to give my life to Jesus. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the life has to be different. It will be different. God didn't save me to leave me like I was. He saved me to bring me out of that lifestyle and to make me His own that when people see me, they can say there's somebody that used to be like me and he's not. What's the deal? How did he get to be like that? Because I remember him when. I remember Randy when. What's the difference? Did you go to AA or something? No, I didn't go to AA or something. I met the Lord. I gave my life to Jesus. He's changed my life. And can I tell you, I lost a lot of friends, but I've shared this story before. I got to lead a lot of those friends. It's a long show. how old I am. 20 years later at a 20-year reunion, I hooked up with some of these friends again, and they wanted, they heard you're a preacher now. Would you come teach us the Bible? Now, is that not something falling in your lap? And I said, yes, I'll come teach you the Bible. And so every Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock, I meet at one of their houses in their den and talk to my absolute best friends on the planet about Jesus. And some left and quit coming. And some got saved and are going to heaven one day and are still walking with the Lord today. Is that not awesome? But the life, He has to bring us out. He had to get Moses out of Egypt and get him to be His man all by himself in the desert, then send him back to be the deliverer of His people. He's got to get us out of that, what we were in. I don't want to live the way I used to live. Not because it just doesn't appeal to me anymore, which it doesn't. I don't want to live that way anymore because it brings shame to my Savior. And I'm sick of it when I see young people today in church saying, can I go to this? Can I go to that? Can I go to that party? Yeah, they'll be drinking. I just won't drink. They'll be listening to all this worldly music. I just won't do it. You know, I won't buy those CDs myself or whatever. And they're seeing how close they can get to the world without falling in. And our attitude ought to be, how far can I get away from that? Get your eyes off of yourself for a minute and put them on the Lord. He saved me from that. He brought me out of that. It's not honoring to Him. Can we think about Him for a little while instead of just thinking about ourselves? And so so many in the church world today are afraid. And it makes you wonder sometimes. I'm not the judge. The Lord's the judge. And I know that some are saved, but some it makes you wonder, are they saved? Because they cherry-pick Scriptures. You know what I mean? They pick what they like. They build their doctrine, their belief system, what they teach and preach. And they present it in a certain way. And they're never going to read a Scripture like Ephesians 5, 1-8, through 8, which talks about that and really just let it stand on its own. That's another thing. I, I pray... I, I, it, it's, a, it's a sign of the times in which we live that people won't just let God's Word stand on its own. Why can't I just read it? And let it just stand. Do you think God knew when He spoke it by the Holy Spirit that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, for uh, reproof and correction, instruction and righteousness, that the, the man of God may be perfect, that means mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, that when the Holy Ghost gave us the Bible, which includes this, what we've read today, that He knew what He was doing. He doesn't need some preacher to come along and give a little disclaimer. You ever watch those ads for all the... There's a new medicine every day, by the way. If you're watching TV, you know, there's a new medicine. I look at Peter and I laugh. I said, what is that? 
Every five minutes, there's a new drug that's out you've never heard of. And they got a little catchy tune for it. And at the end, they'll tell you what it'll help you. But the side effects may include, right? You know, heartburn and death. And, you know, and and, uh, they always have to give a little disclaimer. But we don't have to give that for the Word of God. Why can't we just preach it and let it fly, so to speak? Let it go. Be prayed up. Let the Lord lead you in, in what you're saying, what you're preaching, what you're sharing to a friend. But I don't have to apologize for it. And I'm tired of people apologizing for the Lord's Word. To read a passage like we read and they say, it doesn't really mean this. It doesn't mean that. They can tell us what it doesn't mean. And we could just let it stand on its own. Can I tell you, the Lord can save you. All those sins that were listed in Ephesians 5, 1-8, through 8, plus a thousand others, God can save us from them and forgive us of them. And even if we're saved and commit any of those sins, I want you to know this is what I believe the Word of God teaches. If I'm saved and commit any of these sins, that there's still forgiveness, cleansing. I'm not going to hell because of it. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Having said that, there's a call of holiness upon our lives. There's a call to be like Christ. And if I'm born of His Spirit, then you and I are going to be like Christ. I don't have to explain it away. I don't have to soften it down to make it appeal to people that probably aren't even saved, to make them feel like they're okay while they're lost. I don't want people to feel like they're okay when they're lost. I want them to come to Christ when they're lost. The Lord didn't let me feel okay when I wasn't living a separated life unto Him. He dealt with my sin and brought me out. And now I look back at that as history. That's where I was. Such were some of you. I was that. And He brought me out of that. And has made me new. He's done that in your lives. So many are not, as it says in Hebrews 6, going on unto perfection. That doesn't mean we're perfect and we think we're perfect. That means perfection means full growth, full maturity. Completion is what that means. So many are saved. Maybe they believe this Gospel message, but they don't hear it and don't believe and don't hold to the fact that there is a life now to live that's different than that life I had before. And because they're not holding to it, they're not going on to perfection. You'll look up at their lives five years from now and they're no further along in Christ than they were five years ago. And that's not pleasing to God. And guess what? It's not going to make you a happy Christian either. The joy is going to come in in growing in our relationship with Christ. The joy is going to come in walking with Him and knowing Him day by day. And so the Bible says, uh, if you're still in Ephesians, look at chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you were called. Guess what? There's a calling to this life. Colossians 1.10, I'll just read it. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. If you're taking notes, Colossians 1.10 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is to be increasing. That is to be increasing. And y'all, for that to happen, we need the whole counsel of God, don't we? You don't need to come every week or, or every time and just hear Randy's version of the Bible. You know what I mean? Like I've taken about 45% of it that I really like and fits into my way of thinking. And I'm going to build everything around this 45% of the Bible and the other 55% we'll just give lip service to. If you ask me, do I believe it? Certainly I believe it. But do I preach it? Do I live by it? Do I, do I bring it home by the power of the Holy Spirit and live it myself? No, I don't fool with that. 
And that's the way a lot of people do. We need the whole counsel of God. I'll just read this. Acts chapter 20. This is the last time Paul was going to be with this certain group of believers. Where he had brought the Gospel and been on three mission trips and checked on them and started churches and raised up pastors. And he gathered all these leaders together. And he said, I'm not going to see anymore. I'm going back to Jerusalem. That's when he got arrested and went from prison to prison and was finally martyred from the Lord. So he wasn't going to see him anymore. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I'm pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's how he was free from the blood of all men. In other words, I'm not guilty. If you go to hell, or which they weren't, they were Christians he was talking to, but if you don't live rightly for God or with God, it's I'm free from it, okay? Because I told you the truth. And I told you all the truth. He says, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock, all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which He had purchased with His own blood. What are we saying? We need all the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable that the man of God is speaking to the Christian. That means from Genesis to Revelation, it's all profitable. I need to see in that big Bible, where, where do I fit? Well, we're in the New Testament. We're on this side of the cross. It's not part of the Old Covenant. But the whole Bible and all the Scripture is profitable for me and to grow me in the Lord. That means there's to be a growth. And y'all, so much of the Bible is not telling a lost man how to be saved. A lot of it is. But much of the Bible, certainly all the epistles when you pick them up and begin to read, is telling a saved man now how to now live, right? But we, do, we stay away from that. People stay away from that because they think, again, you might not have heard this and you say, what's, the, what's he even talking about? There are camps, there are Christian camps and circles that uh, magnify, or I would say they minimize the the commandments, the clear teachings from the New Testament for believers. I'm not trying to take somebody and put them back under the law. Okay? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. We're born again. And we're, we're free in Jesus from that. But people try to minimize any instructions, any commandments, as though when we preach that or, or mention that, we're robbing from the grace of God. And we're becoming legalists. And it's going to gender fear in those that hear us. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. It brings life. It brings life. And when we don't, when we shut, when we don't declare the whole counsel of God, then we're going to leave people like a, a what does it say in Hosea? I think, or one of the Old Testament prophets, like a, a cake not turned. It's like one side's really cooked. You ever made a pancake and you burn one side? The other side's still white and bubbly and, and raw. You know, you got to get that thing just right and then flip it over. Let both sides cook before you eat it. And, it, and that's how somebody might really be saved, but they don't go on to be what they should be because they're never taught it. And then if they do start to read it, somebody goes, oh, you don't need to read that part. That's not for you. You don't need to obey that. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's just going to make you fearful. People are afraid they're going to lose their salvation, afraid that this is going to happen or the other. I don't believe that. I think we, we open God's Word and we read it and we study it. And we don't have to apologize for it. And what does this life look like, I guess is what I'm saying. If you're born again, if you truly are born again, what does a life of faith in Jesus look like? 
What does a life that's governed by the Holy Spirit look like? What does a life that's been saved by grace look like? Well, it's different. It's vastly different than the life that we had before. And again, so much of this was written to, uh, to believers. But now we're light in the Lord. You were, you were sometimes darkness, he says. That's what we were if we're lost. If you're lost, you're still darkness. If you can be saved, God can bring you right out of that. I pray that you give your life to Jesus. But if you're born again, we were darkness. Ephesians 5.8, you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The Bible says you were dead in your sins and trespasses. God has quickened us though. Is it, would you expect my life to be, or your life to be exactly the same? That would be totally inappropriate. It would be totally unthinkable. But there's so many people today that profess Christ as their Lord and Savior, but their life is no different. My life was that way. If anybody did it during my time at LSU, nobody would have thought I was a Christian. You know why? Because I'm standing there with a beer in my hand, just like they are, and listening to the same music that they are, and watching the same movies that they watch and go to, and listening to the same dirty jokes that they listen to. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to start witnessing to say, hey, man, you need to give your life to Jesus, man. What in the world? He would laugh at me. What are you talking about? I know some Christians do, but you're not one. You understand what I'm saying? The life has to be different. It flows out of the new heart. Out of the issue, of the, uh, the issues of life come from the heart, the Bible says, and it's to be changed. And so that has to do with our nature. But he says, now you're light in the Lord. And his last little instruction or admonition at the end of verse 8 is walk as children of the light. And that walk, again, has to do with our lifestyle. And y'all, we, we can trust the Lord. We can trust God that, that the same God who saved us by His grace can keep us. The same God that saved me when... Picture this. You didn't know the Lord at all. We're just hell-bound. Okay? I'm not saying you were the demon-possessed or something like that. You just didn't know the Lord. And you're dead in your sins and trespasses like I was. And the Lord miraculously quickened us when we gave our life to Jesus. We said, I do to the Lord. It's not a bigger miracle than salvation. Parting the Red Sea is not a bigger miracle than that. Right? So He has the power to do that. Does He not now have the power to keep me and make my life different? Should I be afraid to, to trust Him? To read the Bible? To read the passages of Scripture that say abstain from all appearance of evil, pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, and pick up the Bible and read these things and then be afraid of it and say, oh, this is going to put me back under the law. This is, no. It's the same God who saved us can keep us. We're kept by His Word. Jesus said, sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. He knows how to sanctify. He knew how to save me when I was lost. Not a bigger miracle than that. He knows how to conform me to the image of His Son now that I'm saved. Trust Him. Don't apologize for His Word. And don't uh, avoid uh, Scriptures that you might not understand or something like that. It's all given to us by the Lord. And, and I thank the Lord for it. And so, uh, I want to close just with this thought, y'all. I, was, I read from a, an old preacher. 
And this is part of his testimony. He says, personally, I could never have overcome my own sinfulness. I tried and failed. My evil tendencies were too much for me until in belief that Christ died for me, I cast my guilty soul on Him. And then I received a conquering power by which I overcame my sinful self. The doctrine of the cross can be used to slay sin like the old warriors used their huge two-handed swords and mowed down their foes at every stroke. There is nothing like faith in Christ, the sinner's friend. It overcomes all evil. If Christ has died for me, ungodly as I am, without strength as I am, listen to this, then I can no longer live in sin. So he's not talking about saving himself. He's not talking about salvation by works, nor does the Bible teach that. He's saying, if Christ died for me, sinful as I am, I can no longer live in sin. But I must arouse myself to love and serve Him who has redeemed me. I cannot trifle with the evil which slew my best friend. Speaking about Jesus. I must be holy for His sake. How can I live in sin when He has died to save me from it? And I love that. And I agree with that. Do you think that's hard? Do you think that's harsh? Does that gender fear in your life? It doesn't to me. It's the whole counsel of God that's going to bring life to me and, and a future and a hope. And sometimes I fail. Oftentimes I fail. I fail the Lord. I sin. But I'm not afraid because I have an advocate. And I turn to Him. And the Bible says, Beloved, sin not. That's a commandment from God. Then there's a provision on the back of that. Same sentence. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. So there's this calling to go on. And the Lord wants to move us to go on. He's called us up to be a peculiar people unto Himself, zealous of good works. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. But now the good works follow. And my life follows after Jesus. And so, I just thank the Lord for that, y'all. And I just want to to close with that thought. And D, you can come. That um, I didn't share everything I wanted to share this morning, but I believe that's what... God would have me to share. And I want to encourage y'all this morning, like the Lord has encouraged me, that we're not to be um, afraid to obey the Lord. And I've been in some Christian circles where if what I just spoke now and even just read the Scriptures from Ephesians, somebody would have to pull me off to the side and sort of, hey, you better soften that up. Somebody might be offended at that. Uh, it might make some people fearful. It might make people think you're judging them. And I don't get it. I don't see that. I don't believe it. I believe we're to follow after the Lord with all of our heart. And when I sin, and I do more than y'all, I call upon Jesus to forgive me. The same blood that saved me to start with is there to cleanse me today and tomorrow and tonight and however often I sin. Having said that, I want to go on with Jesus. I want there to be progress in my Christian life. I want to grow. I want to go on to perfection or completion or maturity. I want to look back at my life and say, even since I've been saved, the Lord brought from, for me from here to here. There we're moving on. And God wants to do that in your life. So this is a message primarily for the church, for Christians today. 
that God would, that we would be provoked on, provoked in a good way. We always think about provoking as a bad thing. You know, like a little sister provokes their older sister or something, right? We think about, about that, but the Bible says provoking one another to love and good works. How about that? That God's provoking us by His Spirit and using you in my life and us in each other's lives to provoke each other on in this Word this morning to provoke each other on in Jesus. It's not fearful. It's not a bondage. It's life in Christ. The life in Christ is different. It's different. Completely different than the life outside of Christ. And I'm so thankful that it is. Would you all stand with me this morning? You know, the altars are open. Our altar is just going to be wherever you want to go. It's going to be if you want to turn around and kneel at your chair, if you want to walk around in the back, uh, if you want to come pray up here. And, and let's just begin to call upon the Lord that maybe we have, maybe you haven't. Maybe this message just, you know, it's not something that's pertinent to your life right now, but I believe it is if you've avoided certain scriptures or become of a mindset that to obey the Lord somehow is legalistic. It's life. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It comes out of a heart that's been redeemed by the mercy and grace of God. And it's because we love the Lord. He that has my commandments and keeps them, Jesus said, he it is that loves me. And Lord, we love you this morning. We want our lives to be different. It, it, it is different. We want it to be more different. We want it to be noticeably different. We want it to be honoring to You. We want to walk worthy, as Your Word says, of the calling wherewith we were called. And to all pleasing to You, Lord. Can You make that Your prayer this morning as a Christian? I want my life to bring You more honor. I'm taking inventory of my life and You've showed me some things this morning. And there's things in my life that are not that are compromising or even sinful. And, and God, I'm going to ask that You forgive me, but also change me. Fill me with Your Spirit. Strengthen me, God, to go on, to leave those sinful things behind. We're not of the world. We're born of the Spirit of God. And if you're here this morning and you said, say, I'm not a Christian. I, I thought I was, but I've never really experienced that new birth like you're talking about. You would like to give your life to Jesus. You can today, and I want to ask you to do something kind of bold. Is that to step forward and, and I'll meet you up here at the front and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I have some doubts. I wonder if I'm really saved, or I know I'm not saved. And I want to be sure this morning, I don't want to leave here without that being resolved. And I would encourage you, don't hear, leave here without that being resolved. The Lord's here to save you this morning. And we just give this time to the Lord for a few minutes before we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.